when somebody in this community is faced with tragedy or they need a family, like this community steps up in a way like I have never seen, like always, always, always. Um, so I know like you can go anywhere in the world and you can pick out bad stuff all day long, mm -hmm. but like Portsmouth, Ohio, it's a beautiful bunch of people that I wouldn't trade for anything in this world. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the fastest growing podcast, not only in Scioto County, but in Southern Ohio. My name is Dale King, Sadie being silent right now because her little doggy. Oh. <laughs> I should have known. Her little doggy is healing up from an injury, but this is the Glock and Doc Audio Encounter. Today, I know when you guys hit play on the podcast button today, you got a little, you got a little tingles. You got a little shivers down your spine because you knew, you, got a little, you had a little feeling today about the guest. Mm. Mm. Oh my. Preach. No other than Michael the Hammer. Longmire. Welcome to the show, Mr. Longmire. Thank you guys for having me. The crowd goes wild. Yes. I just want to say it's about time. <laughs> we knew you were going to say that. We didn't want to... We actually had you scheduled at this point in time because we knew there would be a lot of listeners during the holiday season. Uh, and because they're going to be traveling. Starting off, you don't want to come out really, really high no, no, because no, no. then all you have is to down. No, yeah. no. And then they'll just have to listen to Tim, <laughs> which, you know. I could listen to Tim all night. Oh, my goodness. And that will be the first awkward uh, thing. Thing of the day. Yeah. Just, if you're listening, just be ready for a lot of little glips. If you hear a glip in today's podcast when you, like we're talking smooth and then maybe you hear a little choke up. That's because I had to edit something out that yeah, Hammer that Hammer might might say. For so. his own benefit. Forewarning. I did sign the waiver. <laughs> Beware. So, yeah. So, anyway, we've got Michael Longmire, also known as Hammer, also known as Hammerstrong LLC. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. He made me say that. Um, here on the show with us today, we had actually, believe it or not, we actually had a listener email us a, a while back about getting Hammer on the show to <clears throat> tell about his story. Just one? Just one. one, one and we're pretty sure it was a fake email account you well, set it up. Well, it was from... I have an amazing wife. Yeah, it was from C. Longmire. <laughs> I don't know who that that is. It was like Carmen... Mikey Dongmire. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just wanted to get you on the show. You have an awesome story you're a coach here, a new dad, doing some awesome things out in the community. I'll probably say a lot of things that, that are really nice to you. 
so the listeners, you know. And then we'll just keep fighting right after the show. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. As long as they stay the same. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing changes outside of the podcast. But enough about you. <laughs> More about me. So, seven years ago, six years ago, however many years ago. Six. Six in November, I think. Yep. Let's talk about who Mike Longmire was then. Uh, um, definitely overweight. I mean, that's what attracted me to PSKC. So, like, most people that seen my before and after picture around here knows I was close to 300 pounds. Uh, just kind of going through the motions of things. Uh, get up, go to work, come home, go to bed type person. Never, didn't have any, like, long-term goals. Um, yeah, I was coming fresh off a of divorce, uh, and all that before that is a whirlwind hurricane within itself. So um, I spent a lot of time screwing things up. Like, so it got me to a point to where I eventually kind of wised up a little bit. So after about 10 years of basically mistreating yourself, yeah, mistreating myself and doing everything I should not possibly do, um, I came to a point to where, you know, I had a son, he was three, and, um, you know, it's. I was thinking about this the other day when you guys were asking me to do the podcast. When you, it's a sobering feeling when you wake up and you get fired, watch your truck get repossessed, and you get kicked out of an apartment no bigger than a Cracker Jack on the same day. So winning, yeah. Hashtag. Let's go out and do that again. Uh, but yeah, so that was kind of a very come to Jesus moment, I guess you could say. Um, things started going uphill from there. Uh, started turning things around and got back on my feet. Um, but still, it was just like, you know, was, yeah, get up, go to work, go home, go to bed. I had a decent job, uh, um, but other than that, I really didn't have nothing going on. So prior to coming to PSKC, you met Dale, right? Yes, I did. And I will tell you, he's one of the best salespersons I've ever met in my life. <laughs> So not playing hard to get. No way, not Dale. So, uh, Dale walks into the water distribution company that uh, I was working for, and uh, as he was walking out, my balls cracked a joke because I was fat, and he liked to crack jokes on fat people. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Jim. Uh, so he was like, "Maybe you need to go see that guy. He does that kettlebell thing." And I'm like, What's it? "You know, I didn't know what a kettlebell was." So, anyways. I walked out there to talk to Dale, and like uh, it was very cold. <laughs> and I thought, because I was a sales guy myself at the time, and that's what I did mostly most of my life. And I was thinking to myself, if this guy was trying to sell something, he did a poor, poor job doing it. <laughs> but the one thing he did do, he did give me his number. So that was important that he did give me his number. And it was like maybe two days later, uh, I was on a delivery at a medical place and they had the legit scales in the bathroom and that's when uh, I got on the scales and I seen how much I actually weighed so I hadn't weighed myself for a long time and it was just like like tears in the bathroom like how did this happen and uh, when I got back to the office that's when I called Dale and he invited me down to uh, back then the intro was two classes and you basically went over everything in one hour but that was the beginning but like I <laughs> and then you just crashed and burned yeah, afterwards. yeah like <laughs> usually the ride or die after that but uh showing up 
Um, doing the first class, I didn't know what a kettlebell was. Didn't know what a kettlebell swing, clean, or any of that was, but I knew they took the time to do it, and I really liked just like the way I felt when I was done. So that's what like really drew me back to come to that second one. I can remember there was 20-some people in that intro class for those two days, and mm-hmm. I know I'm the only one left out of that class. So <laughs> yeah. either it's, you know, you love it or you hate it type of thing, I think. But didn't he say something to you that kind of, like, lit a fire under your butt? What did he say? There was like that was probably later I, on. I don't not Maybe. at that point in time. What I remember was now. Yeah, how, I well, how not, do you remember? I this? I am not a good salesman. And, um, how he's successful, I will never th- know. <laughs> this was this was back in the day because I was having to go to the water shop to get water for the gym, and this was early on because when we opened, we didn't have any water, yeah. and I'm like. Oh, really, I've got to go get. I got to spend money on water now. <laughs> people need to stay people hydrated. People aren't self-sufficient enough to bring their own water bottles in. So I would. We got a water cooler, and then I'm like, every time we'd run out, of course, I got to hop in the truck and get four or five bottles and hop in. And then, like you said, I met Hammer, and Hammer was a big dude. Hammer was a big dude, and. Um, there's a lot of people who would always say, oh, yeah, man, I'll, I'll try it out. I'll come down, la, 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 mm-hmm. And uh, my whole philosophy, like, early on, it was, like, very uh, knock on the door, know somebody, know somebody to get in. There right. was no sales or marketing. I was like, well, dude, I mean, if you want to try it out, come on down Saturday. We're doing a mm-hmm. we're doing an intro thing. Come on down. And then he came down, stuck around, and then time to re-up my water i pull in again okay this might be what i was yeah. thinking of i pull in now this is like two weeks later yeah okay i pull in again and uh there's old hammer boy out back around the side smoking oh no and he didn't know he thought he got away before i saw him <laughs> so he like scurries away like throws a cigarette down like tries to run around and act like uh he oh, wasn't he got, got in trouble with my daddy. <laughs> I seen him coming down the road. <laughs> he wasn't just smoking cigarettes, and uh, I didn't say anything at the time. And then he showed up either that same night or the next night. I'm like, "Oh, we're a smoker, <laughs> huh? Let's go for a run." And I'm like, "Let's see how long you're going to last here Jeez. smoking." And uh, that was one of the first of many funny hammer stories early yeah, on. This is my uh, word of advice. Do not smoke two cigarettes before you go do a CrossFit walk. <laughs> chain chain smoking. That's funny. Good. Um, so how long... So that was six years ago, you said? Mm-hmm. And um, obviously it's led to... Did you ever see yourself? No. Sticking with it, let alone uh, being... I knew I would stick with the CrossFit because I just... It fed that competitive side in me. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though I was still a big guy... Um, I played like, you know, I was a weekend warrior. I go play softball leagues and basketball leagues and things like that. So um, I didn't know how long I stuck around, but I knew that I would be around. Yeah. And so how long, so 300 pounds, smoking, how long did it take before you first started seeing like kind of results? Right a month into it, I could tell a big difference just like energy. Um, and just the way my clothes felt, um, and it was around the holidays too, so it made it a little bit tougher, but, um, 
I mean, honestly, after the first week, like I didn't feel a, I didn't like I didn't drop twenty pounds right. in a week, and but I could just feel a, a, a difference in my well being as a person. Like um, getting out of bed wasn't as droggy and as hard, and um, work throughout the day was now like I guess too is like work. I had a little bit more energy, but now I had something to look forward to when I got off work. I was excited to get off work because now I had something mm-hmm. to go do. Yeah. Gotcha. So, it's great. You've been working out here for six years, but the reason why, one of, I mean, one of the many reasons why we asked you to come on the show is to tell us your, about your business. So, like, I, I know we were just joking around, but it is Hammerstrong LLC. Um, talk about, like, your client base, what you do on a daily basis. You coach classes here, and right. people know you as the coach, but... How did, you, how did you get to be yeah. become a coach? Okay. Um, I think a lot of it was just uh, coming to the gym, putting in the work and the effort. Uh, and in the back of my mind, it was something that I wanted to do about maybe a year into it. Um, I wanted, like, yeah, I could see myself being a coach, but I wasn't really sure how the steps of that was. Um, and then one day... Uh, after class, Dale sat down with Cindy and I and was like, how do you guys feel about being a coach? And I was just like, hell yeah, let's go, let's do this. Um, you know, went and got the CL1 and came back in. Uh, from there, like how, about, I mean, to, uh, go ahead. About how long into your working out had this, did this happen? I think it was like three years. I feel like it was we like, were in the new building. I've, yeah, so yeah, so... I feel like I've been doing it. I've been doing this full time for almost two years now, so uh, probably like three years ago, I would say. Gotcha. And, I, and, I, and that was me. I would work and then you know work my full time job and come coach yeah. after work. I think it's important for the listeners to understand because this is a question I get asked a lot: is how do you find your people? Um, and you know, we we've, we've been very public about the fact that um, with the three companies going on here and everything else that we're doing, we always try to hire from within, within being a a member from the gym first, just mainly due to the philosophy of uh, it's almost a selection criteria. You you can watch somebody work out for six months, 12 months, 18 months, and you get to, you get a pretty good idea of who that person is and uh, the kind of worker employee that person's going to be. And when I had asked Cindy and Hammer, you know, you guys both started around the same time, and I knew you guys would be good coaches, and one of the main qualities was um, they would always be the ones to stay around and help put stuff back, Hmm. help put equipment back, and they'd ask, hey, you know, you need help doing anything? Um, completely un- not motivated by any other interests, not self-interested in it. Like it was just mainly like that quality alone tells you that person wants to help. Right. And they see the value in what the gym was bringing and they just wanted to be a part of it and they just wanted to help. Right. It was no, like there was no other, uh, no other interest involved other than just, just helping out. And, um, that I, you can always kind of tell if you if you really if you really stay uh, observant of people around mm-hmm. you. Like you can teach anybody to do anything, but you can't teach them to be a nice person. Right. Uh, and that's one of the first first qualities I, I noticed about Hammer. 
and I'm not gonna say anything other good qualities about that. Yeah, I was gonna say be nice. I, I well, we'll get back to that one off off recording, yeah. off the recording. So continue. So I mean, the trail from being a coach, just a part-time coach coming in, maybe coaching a few classes a week. I know. I remember as soon as Dale, like we had to go through this internship, and Dale was like, "All right, you guys, you know, the chains are off." You know, you guys get classes. I was every day. It was like, anybody want me to coach your class? Anybody want me to coach your class? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to learn, and I wanted to do. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, but I mean, to get to where you know where I was full time was, um, you know, I went through several different jobs from that time I was at the water shop uh, to Oak, who goes here, mm-hmm. um, and offered me a job, which I would be traveling to Connecticut for like the first however many months for training um and i can remember uh thinking about this the other day on the drive home uh so i had to go meet with oak's boss himself and like it was a big interview process uh so that one day i just flew up there to connecticut by myself went down and sat to this guy named his name is mike and he said you know what do you see yourself doing in five years um and i, I can remember sitting there telling him uh I'm a, I do CrossFit, you know, mm-hmm. I do somewhat coaching, but, you know, eventually um, I would like to be able to use what I know and to help people that's been in the same place where I've been. Um, I come from, you know, an addiction background to not just addiction, but being broken, not having any self-esteem, not having any confidence, not having any, any idea of what I wanted to do with my life or, you know, and I was just roaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I always seen, like, if you want to call it a ministry of some sort, but helping guys along the way or girls um, just to find themselves again and find that, you know, they do matter. They were made on purpose and they, they do have their, uh, whatever those dreams and desires they have in their heart, they're there for a reason and they can achieve those. Mm-hmm. So that was like always when I started it, that was always my uh, long-term goal was to create something like that. Mm-hmm. That's what I always seen in my mind. Right. So when I first started at the gym, which was about two years ago, this this past July, and it'll be like two years consistently this January. Um, well, I guess I'm coming up on my, it'll be, yeah, two years. You were my primary coach every morning because we would come at 5.30 a.m. So that was about right when you were doing it full time. And I just remember like thinking that was a, I had been saving money to get my level one, never thinking that I would do it like just right. 50 bucks here, you know, and then I'd spend that $50. And I, but it was like when I started coming here and seeing how serious the coaching staff was and how much they really like cared. Like, you're not just going to let me like do a power clean wrong for right. five, five weeks and then be like, oh, you've been doing that wrong the entire time. It, like, we're, the coaches are on top of it, the staff is on top of it. I was like, yep. Not spending another dollar out of that savings, I'm getting my level one. Um, so well, that was a, that was a big deal to me. And I mean, one of the first, I've always been like an athlete, like like competitive. You know what I mean? And I just remember like one of the first two weeks of coming, I learned how to do a rope climb. You know what I mean? Because of the coaching. Right. I think a lot of it too. As much as people enjoy getting their PRs. And like as coaches, and when you see those people and they come to your classes all the time, and you develop that relationship with them, and you see how hard they work, like that excitement that you feel when you get that, that coach feels mm-hmm. that same thing inside. Like, 
I mean, I know sometimes I'm watching guys getting cleans and I'm like trying yeah. to help them get that clean up or yeah. I'm trying to help them get up that rope. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's when you know you truly love something. When you feel that same excitement they do when they hit those PRs or, like you say, getting that first rope climb or something like that. So you started working here full time. About after that, were you doing any personal training at that time? Uh, no. Uh, like, I was working uh, at a local plant. And then, um, for it's my own fault, and I love you, Crafts. Um, but uh, I got fired from there, and it was my own well-being. Uh, just, I don't know if you guys ever been in a job where you wake up and you just feel absolutely sick in your stomach, like to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it just, is not for you. No, because again, like I knew, like there was a bigger picture, there was a bigger plan, and I wanted to get there, and I just felt like I needed to take that step, but I was just scared, mm-hmm. like. Okay, honey. All right. Uh, guess what? I'm just gonna quit my job, and we're gonna <laughs> do this. A good job. Yeah. 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 I mean, it paid well. Like I wasn't gonna be rich by any means, but it definitely paid the bill and allowed us to just do certain things. Uh, we really didn't have to worry. Uh, so. Well, that's that's common when yeah. when you're working something that you don't want to do. You're it, it subconsciously you let the you let it go. Yeah. For lack of a better term, and then because you relieve your the burden of responsibility on yourself is a lot easier to go do something if you get shit canned right versus like quitting and the reason i can say this because i you quit i was honestly surprised i didn't get right. fired from my job it was like yeah. Like, like yeah like subconsciously like you're trying to you're not trying to but right. like if it happens okay i'm good with that yeah yeah but, yeah, that was like a gift, more or less. Right. I can remember the guy coming up and telling me, and I shook his hand and said thank you mm-hmm. as I walked out. But, um, you know. And I was like, you want to coach 530 a.m.? Because <laughs> <laughs> were you coaching that yeah, at no. the time? Yeah. And then I was like, you know, there's not a 630 a.m. I bet people will come to 630, and we started at 630. We used to have Man. noon, and it was, went away for a while. Yeah, it went away for a while. And then I was like, you care if I start the noon back up? And he was like, yeah, just get people coming. And that started with just like two people. And it was like the collabors that would come consistently. And it's and grown it's, from there. It's the hashtag nooners. Yeah. Because it was like, well, who can work out during noon? Yeah. But now people can see, oh, man. It's a lot of people around here get an hour for lunch. So instead of just going and crushing something at Toro Loco, right. you can come here and, and crush your gains for an hour. Right. And like on that hour people are it's pretty loose like you know people yeah. got to get back to work and but we have a lot yeah they're going to be here at like 1202 and they yeah. got boogie on out at 1255 yeah. So, so, you, yeah so you know they've been at work all day you're just trying to make it extremely fun and get their mind off work as much as you can before you send them back into the real world which you do that and i know you know that and you're going to be really humble but you do that and you it's I'm you don't gonna, need to I be have, told but i'm going to tell you that it's I'm very blessed hard. in a way to where I have freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm goofy as it is. And uh, just to be able to like go out on the floor and teach and just have fun while you're doing it and just cut up. And like as much as I want them to get cleans or get PRs, like we was talking mm-hmm. about, I want them just to have a good time just as much. Yeah. Um, you're a tough act to follow. That's true. That is true. I take great <laughs> pride in being a cut up. <laughs> So it's like when Hammer can't make it to a noon class and he posted on the on the staff page, who wants to cover my noon? It's like crickets for like 15 minutes, and then it's like, oh, It's do like it. who wants to go up after Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, sure. 
So as I humbly speak. Yeah, Mr. Humble. <laughs> um, so when when did you? How did Hammer Strong LLC come into play? There's the PSKC coach, and then a lot of us coaches here, more or less, started our own business. Yeah. In quotation marks, as personal trainers on the side. Right. So that's a totally different thing. How did what inspired you to do that, or like, because you said you came from like a lack of confidence. How did that? How did you build that confidence to say, you know what? I know a lot about CrossFit. I know a lot about fitness. I want to start teaching other people on a personal level, not just on a group base. Well, the confidence, honestly, and not just because he's sitting here and we're going to get mushy, uh, <laughs> but a lot of it. We have. Uh, yeah, we can delete we have the mushy like, parts. No, we have love music that we can oh, play yeah, in the background. Uh, you might as well go ahead and play it. <laughs> a lot of it, honestly, came from Dale. Uh, just no matter what idea I had or whatever, he was all like, okay, go do it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that, well, do you think you can really do that? So he was always... Um, not just yelling, you can do this and do this and do this, but it was a quiet, he's always believed in me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's always just kind of like, maybe like nudged me mm-hmm. like a little bit over into the right direction. Um, I know there was a job I was putting in for right after, and, and I had talked with him about it because I didn't want to hide it from him. So um, I was like, you know, I went and took this test and I passed and now I'm on to the physical part of it. I think I'm going to dominate it because mm-hmm. you guys see me dominating here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he was just like, you know, that was like six months into it. And I'd gotten a little busy by then. And he was just like, you know, like, I don't want, I know you got to take care of your family more or less, but you know, look, you know, look how busy you are within the six months. You really just started now. Look, what do you think you're going to be like a year from now? Mm-hmm. You know? And that really made me think about that process. And eventually I could just kind of quit pursuing it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, re- the, the, I remember that time. That the, was hard on everybody. We're like, we're going to lose camera. Yeah, that confidence. Uh, I mean, just having someone believe in you along the way and just saying you can do this. Mm-hmm. That I think a lot of that was missing mm-hmm. a big portion of my life. It feels like a lot of people just kind of like, okay, you're good. You've made it this far. You're okay. You can just stay right here. You know, mm-hmm. just settling. It was around a lot of people, I guess, that just settled for things and wasn't around, around, around a lot of people that was always reaching for bigger things. Right. Good. So now let's let let's talk about your business. Started out with one client. The DP. The DP, Dale Powell. Um, how has that grown and changed since just having Dale? I tell people uh, Dale made me a great, not a great, I don't want to use that word, great. Dale made me become a better personal trainer, a better coach. Um Dell himself came from a place to where he was broken, you know, sort of sounded like all the same things I had, but like never was an athlete. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just let himself go over the years and his motor skills didn't work. He couldn't walk properly. Um, He just had a lot going on. So, you know, I had to do a lot of studying, a lot of reading um, to make him better. I just couldn't be like, okay, Dale, here's what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. We're doing overhead snatches and uh, our snatches. Uh, we're going to do some bar muscle ups and double unders. I mean, we had to teach this guy how to use both his hands at the same time. We had to reteach him how to walk. We had to teach him how to balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a little thing like him just standing in front of a wall with a 10 pound ball and just throwing the ball against the wall with both hands, just focusing mind to muscle, right. um, getting the balance beam out and, and having him try to walk a balance beam. Um, 
teaching him how to walk upstairs. You know, it was very breaking down the functional movements, very like basic, mm -hmm. and reteaching that before we can even get to a barbell or a kettlebell or anything like that. Right. And he taught you basic English. Yeah, and he taught me basic English. One oh one. Yes. Noun verb. Yes. Right. Conjugation. Pronoun. Yeah. I seen it. <laughs> you're you're still struggling a little yes, bit. Yes, I do struggle. <laughs> I, I write exactly how I talk. Yeah, you really do. Actually I notice I notice that and I critique that daily. Yes, you do. On the daily. <laughs> like I do your fitness. I know. Um <laughs> So, Dale Powell was your first client. How many clients do you have right now? Uh, I probably should know the answer to that. Uh, just like 12, a ballpark. Yeah. 15. So, your days pretty much are just, which I already know this, but it's good for, like, the people to know, like, we're not, you get the common misconception, no. like, this is like... It's it, it now it is a fun job oh, and it's it not real work, but you just heard how Hammer had to totally teach someone how to walk. Right. An adult how to walk and use his hands at the same time. And the research that goes into that. Now you're someone who is super as a coach, everybody tries to perfect their craft, everybody you know, but you're constantly listening to podcasts, constantly reading and um, how has that, like, changed your motivation coaching-wise and business-wise? Because since this is a business. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, it just, it's it's good in one way you can see some of the things you're doing right. Mm -hmm. And then another way you can see some of the things that you're doing wrong or you can do a lot better. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean... I remember my famous quote was like, man, it's amazing. The more you read, the more you know. <laughs> yeah. Because I never was a reader. I right, absolutely right. despised Legit, like, it. Like legitimate like, was, uh, light like, bulb. I, yeah, go Twitter. Like, bro, it's the more, the you, more read. you read, the more, the more you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then not, not only me, but I challenged my Hammer guys Hammerstrong, LLC. Yeah. So I turned around and challenged my guys to read and to listen to more podcasts, whether it be about the gym or... You know, we, I think 90% of the gym now listens to Jocko, mm -hmm. um, stuff like that, just to make them think outside the box more. Right. You know, if they're in the car, they should be listening to a podcast or a book. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be listening to the new Tom The new Migos, bro. Yeah. Fire. Um, the new Easy G or whatever it is nowadays. Whatever the only the reason I know Migos whatever's lit, or anything say. is from, uh, from Carly and, like, Jordan. They keep me fresh to death on the new fire beats that are dropping. Boop, boop. New release Tuesday. Fresh Tunes Tuesday. Get fresh you some. Fresh Tunes Tuesday. Wicka, wicka. Oh, my Flocka, gosh. flocka. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, you just go for a loop there. So earlier, we discussed the amount of clients you had. So, in the in the heyday, get what's a, a normal, what was a normal peak schedule like? Well, before my, uh, Charlie Grace got here. It was legitimately from 5:30 in the morning until 6:30 in the evening, um, Monday through Friday. Clients, classes, yeah, programs, and, working out. Yeah, and I maybe and some days it was just like 45 minutes to work out, you know, here and there. Um, just 
just that whole like I knew it was new and and I wasn't telling anybody no like I'd mm-hmm. go home and tell my wife I'm like I'm not gonna take on anybody else and then somebody would call or message and say hey can you take me on is that something to do with what's what's out back <laughs> there's definitely nothing out back <laughs> there's no money tree out back so you gotta make that paper uh, so how did how did people hear about you um, I think some was just from the gym uh, just social media but I think a lot of it was just uh, gym members. My first, my first clients were older guys. A lot of it was older guys who just kind of let themselves go mm-hmm. um, in their fifties and just wanted to take, you know, wanted they didn't they thought they were just going to lose weight, but in the process they didn't know like they were going to get their manhood back. Mm-hmm. Um, I always said I'd always reel them in by, you know, when they come in. Uh, they, I mean, we're a CrossFit gym and we do CrossFit, but, you know, I would do, like, their first workout would be, like, the manliest, manliest stuff that you could possibly think of. Yeah. And you could just see it in their eyes and see them eating it up. And I was just like, got them hooked, reeled them in. <laughs> and that's how, that's how I got them to stay. You know, those first couple workouts, you know, you just get their, you know, their testosterone flowing. You get them pumped and geeked, you know, mm-hmm. put a guy underneath the bench, put him on a bench and let him bench press and, and bring back his glory days. Right. Um, well, I think too, like, you know, I think it's important that we discuss that if, uh, for for the male yeah. listeners out there. It's like for a lot of long time, a lot of years, it's really not been cool to be a man. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, not in like any sort of uh, macho, sort of chauvinistic point of view, but like, you know, society has neutered men correct in the last three decades i Mm. I totally agree and and i think um i said this the other day and this is ain't a knock on nobody but i think i'm i'm 40 i'm not that old but i'm old enough to see like the generational gaps to where you can see that one generation who don't care and when it's time to go to work you know bloody knuckles and all we're all in and we're gonna go and until it's absolutely done and then you have like a, a generation that's kind of soft and let's think about it and let's write a program about it and then um, maybe we'll get to it and they don't want to get their hands dirty and they want to go buy those gloves and stuff with their hands. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but you can see a big, like a difference between like an, an older generation and a new generation. There's nothing wrong with being, you know, being a man of action, being right. strong and, you know, because a part of quote unquote being a man is being a gentleman too. Yes. I mean, the couple, one of the, you know, the best three compliments, not three compliments, but three guys that took my first, like my first three clients was Dale Powell, the professor, he has three degrees. He says he's more proud of what he's accomplished in the gym than he is ever would be of those three degrees because he lived in a um, society that was dominated by women. He was a teacher, so it's mostly women. And he just felt very feminine and he was always around, you know, that's, that mm-hmm. was his atmosphere. And he said for the first time in his life, at the age of 53, 54, he felt like a man for the first time in his life. Um, another guy said, uh, when I go to Lowe's, I used to have the young guys load up my cement because um, he was a uh, cement Larry, like he did the concrete pads mm-hmm. and blocks. And he said, and like a couple months into it, he's like, he came in, he had a big smile on his face. And he said, guess what I did today? And I said, what? He said, I loaded my own, uh, loaded my own concrete today. I picked up the bags and I threw them in the back of my truck feeling like a man again Mm -hmm. another one was um just recently um spent a whole week in his yard uh, pouring concrete laying fence and 
he was like, I'd never thought, you know, a year ago, he said, I never would have done this. He was like, but I was on my knees, lunging around the yard, you know, picking up block, laying cement, you know, laying posts, you know, digging the holes, mm-hmm. feeling like a man. And, and I think, and you hit the nail on the head, like at the end of the day, um, you know, when I look at my dad and my uncles and all those men from that time generation, that's when I think about a man, like mm-hmm. you look at their hands and they're rough and they're beat up and like they're not afraid to go to work and they're not afraid to stand up for their family or right. stand up what they believe in. They're not just going to keep their mouth shut right. because everybody else says, you know, we shouldn't talk about this because it's not politically correct. Mm-hmm. No, this is what I believe and I'm going to stand for it. And I think when um, you start feeding these men and, and you let them know, like, it's okay. Like, you know, you was once this man, so let's get you back to where you was. And when you, like, when you do that, when you can see, like, you've given them their life back, that's yeah. worth more than anything. There's a quote by Mark Twight, who's one of the original founders of Jim Jones. And he says, the, the goal of physical training can be summed up in one phrase. To make yourself as indestructible as possible. The harder a man is to kill, or a woman, the harder a man is to kill, the longer he will remain effective as a climber, a soldier, or whatever. The key part there is remain effective yeah. and that's what really what we're talking about is uh, a lot especially with the success you had with a lot of the guys is they didn't feel effective right because they weren't doing anything to increase their effectiveness mm-hmm. they weren't they weren't exercising they weren't training or you know possibly they were exercising but here's the deal like just because you go in and do a couple reps right. on the circuits of machines like is that going to make you feel good? Is that going to make you feel like you earned your keep that day? Is that going to make you feel like you're being effective? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, a lot of it has to do with the style of training you uh, you choose to do and you subject yourself to um, in order to remain effective as a man, as a climber, as a soldier, or whatever. Because if you feel that, that's going to make you feel good like you can protect your family. Correct. Right. And I think a lot of people miss that nowadays, and that's like, you know, let let movement and let food be your medicine. And that's one of the things I would ask them, you know, if you're out and something would happen where your family was under attack, let's say just somebody's just going to rob your family, not going to shoot you hard, but you have to know that you're physically going to have to do hand-to-hand combat. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. More than likely, you're probably going to lose. Right. And how effective were you seven years ago? Yeah. I would have been the same guy. Like, I mean, I would try to protect my son, but more than likely, you know, if you're 300 pounds and you just got done putting a cigarette out, you're not going to last very long. (laughs) And I think a lot of guys know that subconsciously. Yeah. And they don't, like, you either, like, you can look at a guy and you can sense his confidence. Yeah. Not, Not the boasting, not the bragging, but, like, some guys shake their hand, you look in their eyes, you know they can mm-hmm. handle right they have a, they have a very quiet sense of calmness and confidence about it because they know what they can accomplish yeah it's like being prepared for a test like if you study come test day like you know sitting down for that test you're good yeah. so i mean if you're training every day that way or however your training schedule is when something happens you don't have to like wonder you're ready to react yeah and i don't think i think too like when you say like training every day we put in one hour a day. Right. And I think that the best part of that is, and what helps you become more effective, is that 
and again, Dale put it like so perfectly, you are consciously meditating and you are focused on you for an hour. And so when you leave, you're like, man, that felt good. And like, it just subconsciously builds your confidence to like, not only are you, maybe you can't bench 225 or, you know what I mean? But you just killed that workout. Like you're, Regardless, you're going to leave thinking, like, nobody can handle me right now. Right. I'm the man. I'm the woman, mm-hmm. you know. And I find myself thinking that, like, if I, especially as a woman, you know, like, you're out. You always have to be, like, watching your surroundings. Like, someone going to try to do something. But it's like, I dare someone to try yeah. on me right I mean, now. as long as we've been doing this now, I mean, I feel that way. I mean, at 40, there's a lot of young guys in here. And, um, I, you know, regardless whether we, you know, we're supposed to make just – compete against ourselves mm-hmm. i mean you do it inevitably yeah, subliminally, like you're here. like okay he got this today i'm gonna see what i can do you know yeah um you know and i still you know that's the way i train i feel i go after the youngest and the fastest mm-hmm. that's who i want to that's who i want to compete against the youngest and the fastest and see how i do against these young guys so when i leave here regardless if they smoke me or beat me i know like i made him work like yeah. he had to earn it and that right. makes me feel just as good as you know beating his time or something yeah. like that so, how do you think, obviously, coming to PSKC, becoming a coach has, like, increased your confidence, like you said, but how do you think that that has affected your business? Like, from from a client standpoint, like you said, it's, like, word of mouth that you get more clients, but, like, them seeing you work out in, cla- like in classes, on the side, like, putting in the struggle, putting in the time, you know what I mean? Right. How do you think, like, that has come to affect your business? Uh, I mean, like the growth of it, or mm-hmm. um, uh, if I if I hear what you're saying correctly, um, I just think they they see stuff on social media and they see the way. I mean, because I draw a lot of guys, I have like mm-hmm. maybe one girl, but um, like they I I hold them to a, a standard, and. When people know that when these guys are hammer strong, like these hammer strong men, that's what they we call them. Um, they're held to a different standard than everybody else, and I think that um, like maybe stirs up something like mm-hmm. I want to know what it's about because they see like some of these guys have amazing, incredible transformations. Right. Um, you know, like Nate C. The way Nate, you know, not telling him, I'm like he looked like Shrek almost. And now he's a GQ, yeah. Um, you know, and he's a great example of somebody who didn't have anything going on in his life. He was a substitute teacher and hated every minute of it. Mm-hmm. And now he's in college. He works for a hospital and a rehab facility, and he's he's got a girl now, and he just walks around with confidence and 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 it's fitness that was the catalyst behind right. all of it, and it was the way he trained. Um, he trains hard. Yeah, and and that's all he knows, like. You know, he was always the last guy picked on the team. No one ever thought he could be an athlete. But I'm telling you, like, if Nathan was in high school and somebody, like, took the time, he would have been one hell of an athlete in high mm-hmm. school. Because um, you can see the athleticism in him now, the way he works and the way he does things. But, like, I think, like, I mean, you go back to your questions to see the way that I train and put in the work. It's just hard work. Like, mm-hmm. there's no if and what's about it. It's just... You know, getting up and you call it the grind, you call it whatever. But if you love it, it's not really a grind. You just do it because mm-hmm. you love it. And um, I don't want to tell my guys to live to a certain standard and then, then turn around and see me not do half of what I tell them to do. Right. So. 
I don't know if that answers your mm-hmm. question, but now have you done like I know, but tell the listeners what you're doing in in the public to help other people. You kind of touched on this in the beginning. You've lived the life. You know what it's about, and getting getting people to realize that their lives matter. So yeah. tell them so, about what you're doing. Um, I was approached by a lady that works here, um, that works with a rehab facility out of um, a local town, and met with the directors, and um, they decided to bring us bring us on to do a, a fitness program three days a week. Which again, like in the beginning, that was something I always wanted to do, and uh, whether I don't. Believe however you want. I just believe you know um, those desires in your heart, those things like that, are placed there to me by God. And and if you go chasing after Him, He'll eventually open up the doors for you. And I believe that was something that God just kind of opened up the door for. Um, how it all got the conversation, everything was kind of like weird how it got started, but it just got started one day, and it was like, oh, I didn't know you guys were really looking for that. So, anyways, we've been doing it for about three months now. Uh, and just like, so you always have a revolving door. There's right. people that's going to graduate from the program. Um, there's new people coming in, but there's been a, a good eight to ten that's been sticking with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you can see such not just like you can see weight loss, but just the way they carry themselves. I mean, we have people that come in or you know day one, like you can see like they have their straight detoxing right there uh-huh. in front of you trying to work out. But and they get through it and they push through it. But the the biggest thing, like everything, has in common, we're from a guy that um, couldn't walk right to people in a rehab facility mm-hmm. that are learning to believe themselves again. Is the common core is fitness, like right. not just fitness, but you know, um, I think fitness cr- creates the effect. Yeah, but I think like you know everything we do, I know I do, is CrossFit based. And I think CrossFit gets a big knock more than it should because it's more, I think, the original CrossFit itself wasn't about um, games. the games. Um, if you listen to um, Mr. Greg Glassman speak, he started it because he wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. And, and he wasn't about to make the money. It was just about helping people. And it just snowballed because of, and I think a lot of it because it was the core purpose. He wanted to help people. He mm-hmm. wasn't trying to rip people off. He wasn't trying to throw this big facade he's like hey here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna take basic movements that you do every single day and we're gonna put them in a workout and it's gonna make you better at life mm-hmm. and that was it and then that's what it does so out there you know they come in and they don't have any self-confidence they don't have any um self-esteem a lot of them come from broken relationships and um crossfit you know you can take a team wad you can you can say hey i want you to get five rounds and you're going to give you eight minutes, and I bet, I bet you can get five rounds, but you're going to have to push yourself. And mm-hmm. this is what I want to see you do, and this is how you're going to attack it. And when they do, all of a sudden, they have this sense of confidence. Yep. Um, you take these people, like, I can remember, like, when I first would do little partner workouts with them, they would, it was just silence. Like, they wouldn't talk to each other. They mm-hmm. wouldn't motivate each other. And now it's like, you know, they're not just hollering at their partner, but they're hollering at the person across the gym. Come on, come on. I know you're struggling. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And just to see how, like, um, like they have their own little mini CrossFit gym there now and the way they communicate with each other and always encouraging each other, you know, now it's like if they're not getting out of bed cause it's nine o'clock and it's kind of early for them, mm-hmm. but they'll say, ah, he wouldn't get out of bed this morning, but I had to pull him out of his bed to make sure he came in. Mm-hmm. So to me, not, it's not the, Hey, we're going to make you lose weight and feel better about yourself. They are. That's, 
it's just going if you show up That's and just listen to the yeah. coach it's naturally going to happen but it's the the bigger things like believing in themselves mm-hmm. um the best part of the day is like when we get done and then we have our little talks at the end of the sessions and you know, and you know, I get to share my experiences or whatever you know I've been studying or reading at the time, and and you know you've hit close to home when you look over and there's a couple people just sitting there balling out because um, you know like uh, they, they know that like, somebody believes in them and somebody cares about them enough to come up there three days a week and take the time and drag equipment back and forth for them and take the time to sit down and talk to them and say, hey, listen, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but you know if you don't matter to anybody else, you matter to me. Right. So, it's been a blessing. Like it's like my Monday, Wednesday, Friday at nine a.m. is like my favorite favorite days of the week. That's awesome. it, it gets me jacked up when I come back here. Dale's experienced it a few times, so he knows. Like it's you're not like going to deal with the best athletes, and you're not worried about you know are they doing their squat perfect or anything mm-hmm. like that. You just want them to come in, and like we was talking about that noon. Like I just want them to laugh and have fun, and we. Crank somebody donated a nice big Bluetooth speaker, and we just crank up the music and and just get after it for an hour. And you can just see like even like the uh, counselors are like, you know, their meetings after that class are just so incredible because they're you know, endorphins are flowing, yeah, yeah, and then everything is working, and and they come up with some great ideas, and they they see a little bit better about what's going on. Um, so I mean. And then we had like a relaunch with this class, and there was this young lady there who, when she first started, sort of like the way Dale thought I wasn't going to make it. <laughs> I kind of looked at her because she just looked like she had no interest in it. Yeah. And um, I can remember like day two, we was doing sit ups, and she was so discouraged that she couldn't do a sit up. And when we had this big relaunch, because there's a lot more new people to come in, she was the first one to speak up and said, you know, other than working out, she was like the biggest things that I noticed. She was like, I have more self-confidence about myself. Wow. And then all the other girls started speaking up. and was like, we can see a big difference in you. But and saying that, that she couldn't do sit-up day two. She's only been doing it for about a month or so. The other day she was doing sit-ups with a plate over her head. Yeah. And, and, I mean, you would have thought you gave her a million dollars. She was so ecstatic that she can do a sit-up. So, I mean... This journey to this point, like being able to teach people fitness and being able to use it to make them not just better athletes, but just make them better people, has been more than I could have ever dream or imagine. Well, one of those key, you know, the key points is you, you you train so hard. We all train so hard to be prepared for the unknown and the unknowable. Right. You know, and, and we saw that situation firsthand with your with your baby girl Charlie Grace. Um, so if you could, please, you know, fill the, les- fill the listeners in on, on what happened and, and how she's doing so far. Yeah. So um, on August 1st, 2017, uh, we were blessed with a beautiful baby girl, Charlie Grace. Um, you know, everything was going really well. Uh, and then um, it was six weeks my wife, Carmen, was working here for Doc Spartan. Your child bride? My child bride <laughs> um, was working for Doc Spartan, and uh, she was here. Charlie was here, and uh, Carmen was feeding. Child bride? Yeah, child bride. Uh, she was feeding our beautiful little girl, and... Uh, 
I was in the middle of training a client, and she, she came out, and she came out, and knew something was wrong by the look on her face. And uh, she said that she wasn't uh, breathing right. She was turning blue. And when I rushed back here, um, Mama Kim had her, and she just gave me a look like she needs to go to the ER. Um, saying that, like, I was overwhelmed, but like I wasn't so much stressed. I was thinking we're going to take her to the ER and everything's going to be fine. We're going to go home. So we come. I just was very calm about it, calm approach. You, yeah. Um, by the time we got her there, um, there was people there waiting on her because the phone call was already made, and I dropped them off. And by the time I walked into the ER, um, she was uh, laying there and they had a mask on her, a breathing mask. And I'm still not really realizing what's going on. But Chrissy Romanello, who's a member here, she was a nurse there. Um, and she was crying at the time. So I knew, like, this is not going to be good. So, you know, fast forward, they did everything they could. She even coded in the ER that night. Um, they saved her. They kept her alive. We got her to Columbus to where we found out and we had no idea that she only had her left ventricle. And not only that, basically everything that going to the heart was backwards. Um, one of the arteries wasn't working, so she only had one artery pumping. Um, she had just a lot wrong with her, um, as everybody, most people know. And um, it required for her to have one of three open heart surgeries on that day or a few weeks later. So the 50th day, 50th day, she was live. Um, the doctors were amazed that she lived past two days. Typically is something they catch in the womb. Um, the fact that she lived that long was a blessing in a way, because now that she was a little bit stronger to like her recovery was got higher, like mm -hmm. the success of that. And plus she knew who mom and dad was, but then she kind of knew who he was, you know, you got to know her too. yeah, and we got to hold her. Cause there was a while there in the hospital we couldn't hold her and that was just crushing i couldn't imagine um her just coming out of the womb and just taking her off to surgery i couldn't imagine that part even as bad as that part was mm -hmm. um but saying that um it was like a lot of it's still like a, a big gigantic blur um it was the most tragic time of my life that i could even imagine that you know, you're so excited to have this beautiful girl, and then all of a sudden, it's you don't know, like the next day, you know mm -hmm. what's going to happen. Uh, so, because it was something every day we was finding out, any days new. But you know, people would say, you know, we can't believe how strong you are. You know, how can you handle? Because there's a lot of things going on with her, especially after the surgery. Um, when they done the open heart surgery, everything looked good in the surgery, but when she came out, she coded again, and they had to split her back open. And I find out something new every time we go back to the doctor. But they said they threw everything under the sun at her just to keep her alive so he can get remove all the clots. Mm -hmm. And so then it was like a week. We just had to lay that she had to lay there and watch her with her chest wide open. Um, and, and this may sound silly to others, but as Dell says, you know, as he just says, we train for the unknown, unknowable. You know, you know, you think about those days you come in and you don't want to come in and you're going through that workout. And you just one more rep, you know, mm -hmm. five more minutes. It's mm -hmm. only 15 minutes. I can get through 15 minutes, right. you know. Okay, 15 minutes. I'm just going to go hard as I can for 15 minutes. You know, it's something I always tell my class when I start. This too shall pass. You know, just get after it. This too shall pass. It's going to be done shortly. You know, and that was basically how I took. I knew there. I had no control over the situation. I had two options. My wife was struggling. 
and like I can either be the man and let her depend on me or be the guy that she has to comfort and console. Um, um, if I had a weakness, then I would leave and have my weakness and come back and be strong for my wife but and my daughter. But like being just like just letting it all just like, you know, there's that verse in the Bible, give me the serenity to make me strong for the things I can't change. Basically, that was it. And I think a lot of it was the way that we train. Every day we come in here, not only is your body being trained, but your mind is being trained that you can hold on for one more rep. That you can So my everyday approach was one more day. Right. We made it through the day. Let's hold on for one more day. And so basically I just treated like the biggest, longest AMRAP of your life. Mm-hmm. And just every day, just attacked it every day. You know, one more day. She's still here. Everything's going better. One more day. You know, right. until, you know, eventually... Um, we got to bring her home and she's doing great. You ever see our Instagram? Like this baby <laughs> wakes up laughing. She's a ham. Wakes up laughing. It's crazy. So yeah. Uh, she's We've the been sweetest blessed. The sweetest little miracle. Yeah. Like I just keep I always think about that and one of the things I remember saying to myself was I will never use the term quit being a baby. <laughs> because that is one of the strongest babies. She really is. Like she, she's like she's what one, else she got? She's one in like a billion. Yeah. You know, and I, you say like, you your working out has trained you to be like to handle that lifelong AMRAP, but Carmen too. Like she worked out here yeah. religiously. Um, her and I got close at the five thirty a.m. class, and um, I remember going up and you know thinking that you guys, rightly so, would be an emotional wreck. You know. And I looked at Carmen, I'm like, how are you doing, Carmen? And she she just looked at me so serious and said, I woke up this morning and I said, if she doesn't have this surgery, she will die. Just And I was like, so proud of her in that moment because she was going through that same mental, yeah. that mentality that you were, just AMRAP, you know, get through it, get through the next thing. I mean, and you think about when, what CrossFit does, and I had this conversation with the people in Ireton, like, I mean, just yeah, it's going to push you physically. It's going to make your muscles look nice and all that. But mentally, think about it. You think about Fran, 21, 15, 9. Um, 21 thrusters, 21 pulls, 15 thrusters, 15, 9, 9. Mm-hmm. Um, like, most people's goal is to get that under three minutes. After you do 21 thrusters, like, you really don't want to jump on the bar and do mm. 21 pull-ups. So, But you mentally force yourself. You will yourself to that bar and do 21 pull-ups. I don't want to do 15 thrusters again. Mm-hmm. You will yourself back to go as hard as you possibly can to shoot for under that three-minute time. And you think about, like, that's training your mind, like, to, to, like, to take on circumstances, to take on whatever it is it's thrown at you. And, like, I don't want to do it, but it has to be done, and it has to be done this a certain amount of time, and I'm going to attack it as hard as I can to get it done in a certain amount of time. I mean, that can only translate over into life when situations come at you. Mm-hmm. Like, when certain things come at you, like, you feel like your brain, not only your body, but your mind is mentally ready for whatever that challenge is. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, luckily, and it's great that she's doing so amazing, like like you said, and and... That was definitely a crazy time for everybody, but none of us could imagine what uh, yeah. that had to have been and, like for you and Carmen and your families. And, and I mean, just the uh, the support from the city of Portsmouth. And the, I mean, even the, the gym support was so overwhelming. And just to see, like, I would, I mean, literally, we would go back to our room at night and just look at Facebook and Instagram and just, I would just weep, like, 
like hardly anybody. My girl, my daughter's only been alive for six weeks, and just like everybody's profile picture was of her and uh, sending prayers. People, please pray for this. Please pray for her. And it was just a not like my Facebook feed was nothing but Charlie Grace, and I was just. Like, uh, and so uh, put me on my soapbox. You say what you want about Portsmouth, Ohio. I know mm-hmm. it gets a lot of bad rap, but time and time and time again. When somebody in this community is faced with tragedy or they need a family, like this community steps up in a way like I have never seen. Like always, always, always. Um, so I know, like, you can go anywhere in the world and you can pick out bad stuff all day long. Mm-hmm. But, like, Portsmouth, Ohio, it's a beautiful bunch of people that I wouldn't trade for anything in this world. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, going back to your livelihood, which is physical fitness and being a, a coach, you said something the other day that really actually resonated with me when we were up at lunch. And... It'll be a hammer-strong quote in my mind forever. If this all goes away tomorrow, you, do you remember saying this? If all of this goes away, you say a lot of good quotes, but this was one that does stuck with I'll me. probably stole it from someone. It's Jim Carrey who he stole it from. Because Jim Carrey was talking about how his dad was a... His dad was a brilliant, funny man who early in his 20s had a lot of gigs and then had a family. Jim was born, and then his dad figured... You know what? I gotta, gotta be. A, I can't, can't keep this. Can't be a comedian. Gotta right. be. A, gotta get a real job. <clears throat> Fast forward thirty years later, he got laid off, cut off from an insurance company or whatever job it was, and to the point to where Jim Carrey, for a little bit, grew up in a in a car. Right. He lived in a car, and uh, Jim Carrey was like, from then on, he was like, I saw where. I saw where, like, you can live an unhappy life and it still gets taken away yeah. from you. Mm-hmm. So you might as well do what you love. Yeah. And that's when you said, if this all goes away tomorrow, I spent five years of my life doing exactly what I wanted yeah. to do. And there's always those moments of weakness in your mind when you think, like, man, I, I got a degree or I got to go, I had I went to college and... Should, is this what I'm doing? Like, I'm having too much fun, you know? Oh, yeah. It does. I mean, honestly, like, for me, it does seem unreal, like, to have my own business and be able to support my family through fitness. Mm-hmm. Like, my biggest fear is people won't find out how easy it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's a blessing. Like, I'm undeserving of it, and every day I'm humbled by the fact that I get to do this and be able to be part of a great team here at PSKC and be part of a great community. Um yeah, it's a dream come true, honestly. And, and to close it out, we've been talking about you know a lot about being effective as a man, and that's you know being prepared for anything and whatever bad things life can throw at you. It's about how you react, and essentially what you do every day that can prepare you for that. And there's and there's a good quote I always like to remember that's we must remember that one man is much the same as another, and that he is best who is trained in the severest school. And if you're trained in the, you subject yourself to the most severe training in the most severe school, you'll be that best. You'll be that best person at the end of the day. I like it. Well, thank you so much for coming on and thank you guys sharing your story. And uh, hope you not only as a friend, but professionally 
continued success. Thank um, you. Thank you. And I hope your doggy gets better. Yeah. I, your dog, I tell you what, is being trained in the most severe school <laughs> At a right young, now. Very young age. Hey. Nothing but greatness. That dog's probably going to be a military That's gonna dog. going to be a tough You know dog. what happens when you get in my way. You get stepped on. I hey. crush you. Hey, ain't much room in that tiny house. Uh-uh. And with that, Ladies I'm, I'm going to go take care of my puppy. <laughs> Don't need no spotlight to shine on me What I got I didn't get for free I broke my back and skinned my knees Working hard just to stay alive I don't need much, just enough to survive Make a dollar